Sons with a mic and a podium. Our church meets in a home and I sit in a chair on the floor, <laughs> um, which is awesome, but it's great to be here tonight as well. And uh, God's been doing some amazing things over the past year with our church and through our home. And but I want to start with a couple questions. Have you guys ever felt like maybe Jesus just wasn't enough? Have you guys ever felt like he's just not going to come through? Like I keep praying. Like I keep praying. Like I, why, why? You know, why am I, why am I feeling like I got to beg God? Ever feel like that before? You ever have those moments where you're expecting something, you're expecting God to do something, and it doesn't happen? And you're going, Jesus, what's the deal? I thought, I thought this, I thought this walk with you was supposed to be better than it is. I thought this walk with you was supposed to be freedom. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be like great, and yet it's like no. Now I know it's right, and I have to struggle to get there. <laughs> huh? Fun. This is great. I'm going to tell you right now, all those things are a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus is enough. What he did on the cross is enough. What he's put inside of you is enough. The lack is not in him. What he says is, my people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't know. And we don't know what we don't know, right? It's been 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth. <laughs> Some things have gotten lost. Some things have gotten lost. And um, we're passing down a tradition of Christianity that seems to be more and more mirroring what Scripture talks about Christianity will look like in the end days, a, a form of godliness but denying its power. And I don't think it's for lack of trying, and I don't think it's for lack of want. I think it's for lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. So we got to teach it. <laughs> Some things that God had to teach us this past year. Um, and really, I mean, for me, he had to, like, kick me out of my <laughs> comfort zone and kick me past ideas that I was firmly rooted in. Um, but it starts with first confronting the fact that the enemy is a liar. He's a liar, and not only is he a liar, he's a thief, and he's a manipulator. Jesus came that we would have what? Life, and life abundant. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We're looking at our life and we're going, but why isn't, why am I not seeing the life and life abundant? How come, <laughs> how come it seems like the steal, kill, and destroy? <laughs> you know, if I'm Jesus, how come it seems like this? Like I got a big target on my back. Like I just can't, and how come God's not coming through? Well, I'm here to tell you today that every promise of Jesus is a yes. That is truth. 
every promise that Jesus has given is a yes. And the amen, the I agree, is found in us. But we have to get there. I believe for a long time that as a believer, um, that, that I couldn't have any real spiritual opposition attached to me. I kind of thought spiritual warfare was something that was out there. And uh, this, <laughs> my sword, you know, and it would come flying around maybe and all of a sudden land on me and I'd be like, I resist you, devil. You know, I don't know exactly what I thought, but I think that's what I thought. When I try and think back to a year ago to what I thought, I probably didn't have very deep thoughts about it, but I think that's kind of what I pictured was that there was a spiritual atmosphere out there and that the enemy was against me, right? But that he would just kind of come out of the blue when he thought I would be weak and he would just jab at me. And then it was my job to resist. And he will flee. But that started to get old after a while, right? You know, like, why am I fighting the same battles over and over again? Why? Like, why when I tell it to go away, does it come back again? How come? I've been a believer for years. I've been a believer for decades even. And how come I'm still fighting these same things? I thought, like, if I choose long enough to believe the right thing, that the bad things is going to go away. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. The truth is, is that you have been given everything that you need for life and godliness. You have. But there's something stealing from you. And that's what this teaching tonight is about. Okay? You guys ready to track with me? Because this, this teaching right here, this took me about six months to create. <laughs> a lot of time with Jesus, a lot of arguing, and um, this is what we came up with. Okay? His way, not my way. <laughs> he had to change a lot of my thoughts. Okay. One thing that I want you to understand about Scripture to start is how to read it in context. I'm going to break down time periods for you into three different time periods, okay? We have before the cross. And we're going to refer to that time period as the shadow. Does anybody know why I'm calling it the shadow? The shadow of things to come. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews talks about how the things in the Old Testament, the temple, the different things that took place, they were a shadow of a reality that was to come. So we're going to call everything before the cross the shadow. Okay? And then here's the cross. Boom. And we got the next period of time. And we're going to call the time from the cross up until Jesus returns, we're going to call it the dim glass. Does anybody know why we're going to call it the dim glass? Right now we see through a dim glass or through a glass darkly, right? For the writer, Paul, 1 Corinthians. Right now we, we kind of see, but it's kind of cloudy, right? That's the time that we're in right now. We kind of see, but it's kind of cloudy. And then we got the best time of all, the third part, which we're going to call the fullness. Does anybody know what the fullness is? Jesus returns, and it's all amazing from then on out. The kingdom of heaven is made manifest in its fullness. 
it's not just in us, it's around us, it's the order of everything. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, just dissolves, you know. I'm sure like, you know, faucets of chocolate, like just fill in the gaps, it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> all right, that's the fullness, all right. So we got three time periods that we're looking at. And we got to understand this because people read their Bible and, you know, we'll do this whole thing where we'll just kind of like, all right, Jesus, speak to me. Okay, and they went to Judea. Okay, speak to me. Right? We got to understand what we're reading. If we don't understand what we're reading and where it's taking place, we're going to greatly misunderstand what's going on in the time that we're in. If we're reading things that are in the shadow and trying to act as if they're for now, we're going to miss, we're going to misinterpret what's going on, all right? But the cool thing is, so in the shadow, there's all these things that then come into reality in the dim glass and then they come into their fullness in heaven. It's a progression that God walks us along. And so I've made an outline here. Do you guys have the outline in front of you? Okay. So if you can see those three categories on there, A, B, and C, right? I'm going to start just, just to give you an idea. I'm going to run, run through some of these. But So in the shadow, we have the Passover, right? You guys all know about Passover? Spirit of death passed over the homes of the Israelites when they were in Egypt, right? And then they celebrated this Passover meal. God said, do this as a remembrance of how I rescued you out of the hands of the Egyptians. So I saved you, I rescued you, I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians, right? That's the shadow. Then we go over to the dim glass. And what's the first thing under the dim glass? Communion. You know what, when they were, having, they were in that upper room with Jesus and they were having the first communion, you know what they were actually having? Passover. They were celebrating Passover. And Jesus said, from now on, when you celebrate this, you do this in remembrance of me. Have you ever celebrated a Passover before? A Passover Seder? It's really an amazing ex experience when you begin to understand the significance of the broken bread that he broke. That was, that was a picture of Isaac in the Jewish faith. He, the broken bread, the afikoman, and then Jesus breaks it, and he says, this is now me. He was saying the one who was going to get sacrificed, Isaac, the son of Abraham, but didn't, this is now my body. I am the one that you are waiting for. The there's four cups to communion after the meal. It says after they ate, Jesus took up the cup, so we know which cup it was. It was the cup after the meal, which is the cup of redemption. It says, this is my blood. It's being poured out for you. If you have an opportunity to go to, to a Passover Seder, do it. It brings so much to life. And you see how the shadow becomes a greater reality in this dim glass. Still not the fullness, though. We go over to the fullness, and what do we got? The wedding supper of the Lamb. That's the fullness. That's the fullness of this feast where we get to sit down with the lover of our soul and we get to commune with him and eat with him as we enter into all of eternity. with. That's, the, that's beautiful. <laughs> right? 
But so we see the progression. Now, God does this over and over and over again. We've got, we've got uh, the promised land, right? They were given the promised land. This is where the Israelites, they were coming out of slavery, and they've been given an inheritance, and they're coming in to the promised land, right? Well, the promised land is not our inheritance now. We're not all over in the land of Canaan, right? Now, in the dim glass, what is the promised land? What is, what is our inheritance? I should say it in those words. What is our inheritance now? What is it? Heaven on earth. The kingdom of heaven here. The kingdom of heaven in me, on me, through me. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's the promised land. And then we're awaiting a promised land in the fullness, right, which is heaven, okay? Do you, get, do you see what I'm doing? Do you see what's going on here? Do you see how God has this laid out, okay? We're going to do another one. The law on stone, right? We got the law on stone, Ten Commandments. That's in the shadow. It's a shadow of a reality to come, right? What's, what do we got now? laws on our heart and on our mind. The law becomes written inside of us because Christ is inside of us and he's the fullness of the law, right? He fulfilled it. Now he's in us. Laws on us, hearts and minds. That's big language. I want you to pay attention to that. The law has been written on our hearts and on our minds. We've been given a new heart and a new mind in Christ. We get to the fullness and what is it going to be? It's going to be everywhere, right? The order of God is just going to be how it is. It's not just going to be internal in me. It's going to be how everything is. That's the fullness, right? Man, you got an exercise tonight. We got the temple. Now, this is what the writer of Hebrews said very specifically. Now, this temple needs to be made to very specific, like, Specific specifications, <laughs> right? You got it, it because it is a, it is a copy of a reality. It's a copy of a reality. I want you to understand that God was very specific. This many doors. This many. This this much space. The outer court, the holy place, and then the holy place. Like it's it's got to match what is actually happening in heaven. What there actually is. Well then. Then we get to the dim, the dim glass. What is the temple now? Our bodies. Our bodies, okay. If the temple was made so specific, huh, maybe, maybe I am too, but we'll get to that, okay? So then we got the fullness. The scripture actually says that God himself is the temple. <laughs> right like he's in us and then we're in him like it just can't get any better than that it's amazing that's it right the final one we got and, and there's a million of these I picked four but I want you to start to see because if you if you don't understand what you're reading you're going to read in Exodus about the Ten Commandments and you're going to go I have to obey these laws because God says obey the Ten Commandments well, we're in the dim glass. Those laws are written on our heart and mind. 
things are different. The laws are still there, but things are different. We're not earning anything. Don't misconstrue what's taking place. You think in heaven, in the fullness, we're going to have to try hard to follow the laws? Scary. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's going to be the joy of our heart to walk in communion with God fully unbroken. <laughs> right? I mean, it's amazing. Why wouldn't it be amazing, right? It's just there's differences happening. So be aware of what you're reading. And the last one is the battle. We look at the battle with Joshua. Their enemies were people, right? Is God against people? No. Is God like, yes, let's wipe out nations? No. God was showing a shadow of a reality that was to come and some very key truths in the way and the strategy that he was having Joshua fight the battle. Wipe out everything, because if any little thing is remaining, it's going to hook you right back into old ways. It's going to hook you into other gods. It's going to hook you into lies or, or, or things that are not good for my people. wasn't about, does God not like people from other cultures? If that was the case, he wouldn't have taken Rahab and put her, put her in his family line. He wouldn't have done that. If God was just about wiping out other people, that's not, we're looking at the whole, the whole thing here. He's creating a shadow. So then we come to the dim glass, and, and, and Jesus says something very different. He says, you know, yeah, you were told an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, love your enemies, right? Pray for those who hate you. And in fact, as Paul begins to write, he says, our battle is not with, but it's with principalities, authorities, or unseen realms. There is a battle, but this battle's different. That was a shadow of what we're in now. And there will be a battle at the end, right? I don't know too much about that. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I try to stay away from God, just to be real. Um, <laughs> there will be a battle, that much I know. Um, all right, everybody understanding what, what we're drawing out here? The shadow, the dim glass, the fullness, all right? It is so important that we know the time that we're living in. If we don't know the time that we're living in, we will greatly misunderstand what's happening. We will begin to believe mistruths about who God is. We will take scriptures about God that say one thing and then another scripture, and we will twist it and turn it, and we won't understand up from down who we are, what's been given to us, why we're living. Do we have, you know, there's people who believe that we have the fullness of heaven now. That's not what scripture says. But there's people who believe it because they're just reading things. They're pulling stuff out. There's people who believe that we're supposed to still be doing what they did in the Old Testament. Not understanding. You have to understand the time that you're in. So we've got these uh, four pillars of understanding, and they're, and they're convergent. So anybody ever hear the word eschatology before? Yeah, it's like this, the, study, um, the study of the last 
things, and it's always about how it relates to the present, but the study of the last things. So before Christ, and I want you to think about this for a minute, before Christ, the study of the last things, eschatology, what Paul was studying was about the Messiah coming, because when the Messiah came, that was going to be the end. So that was going to be the last thing, eschatology. Well, then <laughs> Jesus comes, and whoops, we misunderstood. <laughs> so much so that as Jesus is ascending to heaven, and just a funny thought, have you ever thought about, did he go fast or slow? <laughs> I've thought about that a couple times. <laughs> like, were they just like, <laughs> or was it like, whoa, <laughs> like, was it like Superman? I just want to know that. But anyways, so they were still so confused. They believed that when the Messiah was coming, that he was going to usher in the kingdom, that he was going to defeat all of their enemies, and that was going to be it. Like, they were going to have the restored kingdom. This was going to be it. Well, newsflash, that's not what happened, all right? Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and as he's ascending to heaven, his disciples are like, is this when you're going to usher in the kingdom? <laughs> it's literally what he said to them. Look it up. <laughs> they didn't understand. What is happening? No, I'm going, and I'll be back. Okay. Okay, so this isn't the end. <laughs> this isn't this isn't the end. So then Paul begins to change eschatology into a couple other things. Christology, the study of Christ. What the heck was that about, right? Uh, s s I always say this wrong. Soteriology? Maybe, maybe not. Don't quote me on that because you might sound weird. But it's the study of salvation. And then we talk about redemptive history, which is the study of the ages. We know... Jesus talks about the ages, this age and the age to come, right? So the Messiah was to be the culmination of the age and the immediate ushering in of the outpouring of the Spirit and the resurrection from the dead. That's what the, they were believing and waiting for. Um, so everything changed with the understanding of a second coming. Okay, this isn't the end. Now we're in the dim glass. We didn't see that coming. We thought we were going from here to there, but okay. So we've got these two nice figures up here. Sorry, everything's black and white. I think these were blue in my original thing, but it's not as pretty, but it's okay. Um, so figure A is the picture of before what they thought, this age, coming of the Messiah, age to come. What ended up happening? Second figure B. We had this age, the first coming of Christ, the outpouring of the Spirit, the resurrection of Christ. Then we have this funny little middle period that we're going to call the already and not yet. And then we'll have the second coming of Christ. And then we'll have the age to come, the fullness. You guys following me so far? Sound good? Okay. So we're going to go into very quickly what this Already not yet. What the heck does that mean? Okay. Well, we got some scriptures right underneath there. Paul says some things, and this is understanding the dim glass versus the fullness, all right? Paul says, you are already adopted in Christ. But in the same letter, he says, but you are not yet adopted. He says, you are already redeemed in Christ in Ephesians. And in the same letter, he says, but you are not yet redeemed 
He says, you are already sanctified in Christ, but not yet sanctified. Already saved in Christ, but not yet saved. Already raised with Christ, but not yet raised. There's something that will come. This is what's going on. That final little, little F at the bottom of that page. Our spiritual participation in Jesus' resurrection guarantees our physical participation in the coming resurrection. Okay, so we are now, if I can break that down, we are now participating spiritually in everything. Our spiritual participation in these things, our spiritual participation in adoption, we are adopted. That guarantees our physical participation in the fullness, okay? Our spiritual participation of redemption guarantees our physical participation of redemption in the fullness, okay? So these are things, it's already, we already have it. We have it in the spiritual context, inside, on us, through us, 100%. But not yet do we have it in the physical forever sense. There's a fullness that is coming, right? You guys see the scriptures that I'm pointing out? All right, I'm building a ground here. I'm building a, a foundation, okay, because we're going to be teaching something very soon, but I need you to understand the foundation that's laid beneath it because as God was teaching us about deliverance, and I'll share a little bit about that story with you guys, um, back in, in January of, or February of last year, uh, we've had a house church that meets at our house uh, for the past 15 years. In February of last year, we were just having a normal Love Jesus meeting. And somebody brought a friend. And in that meeting, that friend began to, like, manifest countless demons. Right? Okay? It's like something you'd seen in a movie, right? Were some of you guys, were some of you guys there? Right. Okay. This girl's like, her voice is changing every five seconds. Her face is changing. She was like, it was crazy. It was crazy. Her eyes were completely black. <laughs> you know, you're, and none of us knew what we were doing. <laughs> it was like, okay, what is going on right now? And so we jumped into Jesus mode, and we were like, get out in the name of Jesus. You got to get out in Jesus' name. We're speaking scripture. We're praying. We're like, all right, maybe we'll worship. And this thing is going I don't have to listen to you. See, I can say Jesus too. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And we're like, you have to listen to us. Like, you're looking at each other like, doesn't it have to listen to us? Like, we're saying Jesus. How come this thing is saying Jesus too? Like, so many questions. <laughs> I can tell you we had so many questions. In fact, we filled up a billboard, not a billboard, <laughs> a whiteboard. <laughs> Two very different things. <laughs> We filled up a whiteboard, but it was a big whiteboard. It was, like, bigger than me lengthwise, right, okay? It was pretty big. So we filled out a whiteboard with 60 different questions that came up from that experience because what the heck? How come we were casting things out and it wasn't leaving? How come it could say the name of Jesus and nothing happened? How come, like, God didn't just show up and deliver this girl? We're having a church service, for goodness sake. I mean, we're worshiping him. We're exalting him. We're not exalting that thing. We're not, you know, like, we're trying to balance everything. So we were there for four hours. I'll tell you, that was one of those moments that I walked away from, and I'm like, 
Jesus, I don't know if you're cutting it for me. What was that about? I've followed you my entire life. I have loved you wholeheartedly my entire life. Where were you? Where were you? The problem wasn't with Jesus, folks. The problem was that I was not understanding my Bible. I was not understanding the time that I'm living in. I was not understanding what he had already said and what he had already given me, what the cross bought. I didn't know who I was and what I've been given and how to walk it out. So what I'm doing right now is a crash course for you guys on what took months and months and months for the Lord to lay out for me to have a foundation to stand on because if it's not scripture, I'm not going there, <laughs> you know. So you got to give me the scripture, God, because I, I don't care what I see. It doesn't matter if it's not there, I'm not going there. So this is, this is why, okay, I want you guys to realize I'm not just talking this to talk. This all has a point to it, all right? We do all sorts of crazy things, and we believe all sorts of crazy things that we can back up with Scripture when we're reading it wrongly. Okay? So, back to this. What did the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus purchase for us? This is a big question. What did the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus purchased for us. Yay, soap star. Have you taken this class before? Sorry, I'm going to get some water. <laughs> there are two passages. The first one in Joel. I'm sorry, three. The first one in Joel the second one in Acts, and the third one in Romans that all say the same thing. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I've heard that since I was five years old, probably earlier, maybe even in the womb. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, salvation is a very interesting word. We went to go see what it was actually saying, in Joel, that was in Hebrew, it was in the Old Testament, so it's a different word than in Acts and in Romans. But in Joel, I'm not going to even attempt how to say that word, but what it means is escape or deliverance. All who, have called, all who call upon the name of the Lord will have escape, will have deliverance. It's exactly what he did to the Egyptians, he delivered them from evil, right? In Acts and in Romans, the word is sozo. That word has become very famous because there's an inner healing ministry that's called that. You guys hear that before? Sozo. And that word sozo, it means saved, it means healed, and it means delivered. So I would say that the church across the board understands salvation and that we go, oh, yeah, I asked Jesus into my heart. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. We got salvation in that context. And we've got a portion of the church who goes, yeah, but in salvation there's healing. Especially by his stripes we're healed, we know that, you know. And then the word salvation is healing itself. There's a portion, some don't believe that it's for today. And then there's even a much smaller uh, group of people who want to have anything to do with the word deliverance. 
because there's a connotation to it nowadays that goes with like the exorcist. <laughs> Movies like that, which I haven't seen because I'm scared of stuff like that, you know? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't watch that. Um, but it's not that scary. So a very small portion of the church has kind of dabbled their hands in deliverance in addressing spiritual things that are going on. Um, and and it looks so crazy. I know that myself, uh, when I started to kind of see it, it was like, no, thank you. In fact, when this girl came to our meeting last year, I left that meeting really saying to the Lord, God, I never want to do that in my life. Ever want to do that again. For a whole lot of reasons. But my heart was broken at the same time. You can ask Wesley. I, I did. I called her up like, you know, the whole snot crying, sobbing. I don't even know if she understood anything that I was saying in that phone call. But I was like, I don't understand why God didn't do it. It's just, what is he not powerful? I just can't. I love him. And it's just not. And she's like, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, I know, Lord. <laughs> Just walk me through that moment. Thank you. It was a long moment. I cried like that for about two months. I was angry. I was frustrated. Where was the power of God? Where was it? I know that I know him. I've seen miracles. He's talked to me. I've talked to him. It's not about, is he real? It's not about that. Where was he and why didn't he show up? It was because I didn't understand. It wasn't because he's not everything that he says that he is, okay? So, sozo, saved, healed, and delivered. That is what that word literally means. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, healed, and delivered. Those are very bold words. Those are very strong words, and we say them in the church like they're nothing, and then we don't understand why we don't, you know, experience it, we, we kind of knock down whatever our experience is. We're like, well, this must be salvation. <laughs> you know, I guess this is what it is. No, we're wrong. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right. So then I got all these, like, if, if you're on that page where it says, what did the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus purchase for us? If you look down to letter D under there, there's just a whole bunch of references. All of those references are the word salvation. Okay. They all say salvation in there. And every single one of those means saved, healed, and delivered. Are you in your spare time? You want to take those, look them up, and think about saved, healed, and delivered. Saved, healed, and delivered. Saved, healed, and delivered. I mean, there's a million of them here. Okay? Understand what you're reading. Saved, healed, and delivered. All right? Salvation. This is Strong's definition. Deliverance. <laughs> Preservation, safety, salvation, deliverance from the molestation of enemies, preservation of physical life, safety. On and on it goes. It's deliverance, <laughs> being set free, deliverance from the molestation. And the word we use in our, our gathering is harassment. These things are harassing us, and they're not allowed to. They're not allowed to. The sooner you know it, the sooner you're getting free. <laughs> okay. I didn't know this. All right, so 
then opens the can of worms and the debate that we are not going into tonight. <laughs> Oppression per versus possession in the church, okay? I'll tell you one thing, neither one of those words are in the Bible. Neither one of the, oppression is not in the, uh, not in that context, oppression and possession, there's not, there's no distinction. There's one word, and it needs to be under the influence of. That's it. So, if there's something that's being influenced, it's under the influence of, I'm not going to get into whether they're inside or outside or on or whatever. Have I seen people throw stuff up? Yes, I think they'll throw up on the inside, you know, I, I but I'm not going to make a theological case for it. All I'm going to say is that the word in Scripture, all it means is under the influence of. And that part of our salvation is to be set free from the harassment of these things. Okay? If it wasn't necessary, I don't think it would be in salvation. Anyways, can both an unbeliever and a believer be influenced by a demon? Again, these are just thoughts to put out there. I'm not saying anything to you guys. I'm putting thoughts out there, okay? And you guys can wrestle with the Lord on your own because you all got a relationship with him, and he's good, and he can teach you, all right? But I, wanted, I want you to think these were some of the thoughts that he brought me through. So I'm going to put them out there as thoughts for you. Can both an Because these are questions I had. Can both an unbeliever and a believer be influenced by a demon? Was everyone Jesus set free a believer or an unbeliever? Okay. So I have people who say, well, it was all before the cross. So the people that Jesus set free were all unbelievers. Okay. I think that Israel, in fact, Scripture says that Israel is a shadow for the church. What's in the fullness is the family of God. And they're every tribe, tongue, and nation. You know? And so if I'm looking at my scripture and Jesus sees a daughter of Abraham who was saved by his faith, it was counted unto him as righteousness. And this daughter of Abraham was being harassed by something demonic. She couldn't stand up. What was Jesus saying in that moment? She's a daughter of faith. That's why he's call, he didn't call her a daughter of Moses. A daughter of Abraham. Things to think about. That's all I'm saying. Things to think about, okay? Because for me, I'll tell you, over a year ago, I was very staunchly like, no, believers can't have anything on this. Can't. That would mean that God's not powerful. <laughs> that was my stance. God's inside of you. How can anything else be on you? That was where I stood. I had a lot of questions with what I saw begin to unfold. These are thoughts. These are questions. Why did Jesus only minister to the Jews, the children of God, considering the times? What were the Jews a representation of? The church. When a woman came to Jesus for her daughter, who was demon-possessed, and Jesus said, I'm not going to give the food, the children's bread, to the dogs. Man, I read that and was like, rude, Jesus. Tone it down a bit. Like, <laughs> come on. Here, that was a bit mean. And she said, but don't even, you know, the dogs will eat the scraps from under the master's table. And he said, wow, your faith is amazing. Yeah, your daughter's going to be healed. 
I really don't think Jesus was there trying to be mean. Jesus was making a point. Jesus was making a point. He said, deliverance is the children's bread. This is for, these are for my people. Freedom, full freedom are for my people. That's who it's for. And it, 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 it's accessible to everybody. Once we receive it, we can walk in it. Because without the cross, there is no deliverance. There is none. You're a slave before the cross. The cross is what allows you to be set free. Okay? So, what happens with an unbeliever when a demon is cast out? Oh, Jesus told a story about some guy, you know, casting something out, went and got seven stronger than itself and came back. And there was nothing strong enough in the house and <laughs> then came back. And it, the place was worse off than it was when it began. I don't know if I want to be casting demons out of people that aren't believers. <laughs> Unless they're going to give their life to Jesus right then and there. Got to be careful what you're doing. Because, yeah, they might get some momentary freedom. Might get their life all together. But th if there's not a stronger man in that house, something can come back in. All right? So I'm thinking about all these things. I'm like, Jesus, show me the scriptures. Teach me, teach me, teach me. Teach me about what I'm seeing. Teach me about how to walk in this. Teach me about what's going on. These are the stuff, the stuff that's running through me, running through me, running through me, okay? Um, can the temple of the Lord, a believer, be shared with demons? Oh, I didn't like that question. It was a big no to me. <laughs> it was a big no. It can't. It can't. How can the temple of the Lord be shared with something? Well, let's look at the shadow. If we want to get a little bit of context here, let's look at what happened with the shadow. So we got two pictures here, right? You see the one on the left is the interior of Jerusalem's temple. You see it has three sections. It has that little inner spot, which is the Holy of Holies. It's got the holy, or the holy place, which is outside of it. And then it's got the outer court, right? And it was made, like we said, it's very specific. Right? Uh, they had to make it exact for a reason. So, Ezekiel 8. God takes uh, God takes him in a vision, Ezekiel in a vision. He says, Ezekiel, I want to show you something that's happening in my temple. And he opens up the wall so Ezekiel can see. And in the whole, not the Holy of Holies, the Holy of Holies, only the presence of God can go in. In fact, he knew if anybody walked in there with any bit of sin, the dead on the spot, right? No sin could enter the Holy of Holies. Absolutely not. But the holy place and the outer court, the caretakers of the temple were supposed to be taking care of that. They were supposed to be keeping it holy. They were supposed to be taking care of that. So anyways, God says, Ezekiel, I want to show you what's happening in my temple. He shows and he, and he shows him what's going on in, in the walls of the holy place. There's like slippery, slimy serpents crawling on the walls, and, and the priests are, 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 are participating in all of these abominable things. I had to think about that word. It wasn't going to come out right. All these abominable things. They were doing terrible, terrible things that were not supposed to be done in the temple of the living God, and yet they were being done. God was not pleased, yet they were being done. They weren't being smited out. In fact, we know that Jesus himself went into the temple. And was there stuff going on in the temple in Jesus' day that was not holy? 
Yes. Yes, there was. And how was Jesus about it? He's a little timid. You know, guys, can you clean it up a bit? No. He made a whip. He knocked over tables. This was supposed to be a house of prayer. And he's made it a den of thieves. What are you doing? The temple, many times, was compromised. Many times. And so we come into the dim glass now, and now we're the temple. So what does that mean? Well, I want you to take a look at that picture on the right and, and the comparison to it. This is what I've come to see as a reality in what God's been doing this past year with us, is that we, too, have three parts to us. We have the Spirit of God that was born in us, right? Spirit gives birth to spirit. We were born again. Spirit of God gave birth to a spirit inside of us. That is the holy of holies, the untaintable presence of the living God, only made possible because of Jesus, that it could be in us. Only made possible because of Jesus. But then we have our mind, our will, and our emotions. The holy place. Our will. And then we have the outer court, which is our body, our physical body. We have these layers to us. I have a hard time believing that God commanded the builders of the temple to be so very specific about the temple, and then he himself wouldn't be the same way in how he designed us. I believe we were designed specifically to house God. Every bit to who we are is to be a reflection of who God is. He's supposed to invade our entire being. But then Paul begins to say, how can you go and sleep with a prostitute? Don't you know that you are the temple of the living God? Do not be born like that. 1 Corinthians 10 blew me away. Like I've read this and I never understood it. But as God was beginning to cause me to see, yes, it's possible. It's possible. Don't do it. <laughs> it's possible. Stay away from it. It's possible. Be holy as I'm holy. I've given you everything you need. To be holy, right? First Corinthians, he's talking about um, he's talking about food. Paul's, Paul's talking about food being uh, sacrificed to idols, right? And he's going, it's not about the food, you know. Like if you're going to eat food, like whatever, it's not about the food. But in in First Corinthians ten, he then says, back to food. <laughs> what we know about these sacrifices is that they were being made to idols. But idols aren't anything, is what he's saying. What they were worshiping were demons. Paul says this point blank. What they were worshiping was demons. Now, don't you know that when we take the cup of the Lord, communion, it is the agreement with the sacrifice 
that we are taking. It's not about the food. In fact, our church for communion, we'll have pizza night. I mean, like, it's not about the food. It's about the remembrance of what Jesus did and coming into agreement with it, right? And Paul's making that very clear. It's not about the food. When you take the cup of Christ, you are coming into agreement with the sacrifice. And he says, do not drink from the cup of the demonic or you will arouse the Lord to jealousy. Is this not possible? Oh, why won't you save me? Now, I'm not saying this because I want to put a focus on the demonic. I'm saying this because I want your eyes to be opened that you've been being stolen from, that God is really everything that he says that he is that his power will flow through you the way that he says that it will, that you've been given the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that you are a new creation in Christ, the old is gone, that you have been redeemed, you have been set free, that the cross broke off your slavery to these things. And when you can start to see I'm not fighting myself, you can start to deal with the problem for what it is. And therein is the freedom of Christ. That's what we've been experiencing. Okay, so we've got the temple. You're the temple. I'm the temple. We were made specific. In fact, there were different gateways. And this is stuff we're just, I'm not going to go into it because I, I haven't gone into it. We're starting to go into it to say, okay, there were 12 gates, 12 entrances to the temple that were specifically made. We, we hear it talked about all the time, the eye gate, the ear gate, you know, the mouth gate, the senses. They're all gates, right, of how things can influence us. Okay, maybe I was just a little understanding. <laughs> maybe I'm a little bit more complex than I thought I was. Maybe there's more going on. And maybe I, as the caretaker of this temple, have a responsibility clean it out, right? What time are we at? Are we getting there? Oh, I'm flying. This is awesome. All right. Yes, guys, you're awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. Everybody doing good so far? You're not getting tired yet? only been an hour. We've got more. <laughs> All right. I don't think we're really going to go into the sin and its personification. That's in there. You can look at it. I'll just make note of the fact that Paul makes it very clear that once we're in Christ, sin is a separate thing from us. He makes it very clear. He says, now it is no longer I who sin. It is sin living in me. He actually talks about it as being separate from his own members, his own body. Read it and think about it. What is he actually talking about here? What is sin exactly? Yes, we know it's missing the mark. I hear that one in churches all the time. There's a lot of words for sin, by the way. They're all in your packet. They don't all mean missing the mark, okay? Um, there means a defection or a rebellion. That's one kind of sin. Perversity, moral evil, fault, 
that's another word for sin, to entrap, trip up, cause to stumble, that's another word for sin. Then there's a failing to hit the mark, a bad understanding, a bad action or evil deed. There's a lot of words for sin, and a lot of them have to do with tripping up a believer. You guys got it all in front of you. You can do some work. Um, we're going to go to point number seven. Renewing the mind versus spiritual warfare. One is a battle and one is not. This is where I had been tripped up for so long. This is where I was finding myself exasperated. Because I was sitting with believers who had been believers for a long time. 20, 30 40 years, and they're saying, Lord, I, I know the Lord. I've experienced his freedom. Like, I, I know him. I know who I am. I love him. And yet, I don't understand why I keep having these panic attacks. There's nothing else that I can change in the way I'm thinking, you know. There's nothing else I can change. Like, I know that this isn't from God. I know it's not what he wants for me, but I can't seem to handle it. Like, and, and my response was, yes, read your Bible. Put on some worship music. Praise him in the storm. Just pray more. I was saying, do more, do more, do more. Earn your freedom, earn your freedom, earn your freedom. What a talk. That was such a deception on me. I was taking what was for renewing my mind and placing it on things that were not about renewing my mind. The picture that the Lord had given me was about, you know, when you get a flesh wound, you use a bandage. When you get the flu, you use Pepto-Bismol, right? Would I take a bandage and try and fix my flu? No. That doesn't make sense. Is a bandage useful in the appropriate context? Yes. If I have a flesh wound, am I going to start drinking Pepto? No. That's what I was doing. Because I had ex experienced so much freedom in the growth of my identity in Christ, because I had experienced so much freedom in knowing the word, in praying, in worship, that's what I thought it all was. That was the answer. Do this. Well, Lynn, I'm already doing that. Do it more. It's not working. Keep trying. Like, <laughs> it's got to work. I don't know what else to tell you. Do it more. You know, that's where it was like getting to. And what a frustrating place to be at, to feel like, I don't know, and I'm just, you're stuck. It's like ticking at this one thing, you know, like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And yet everything in me was like, this is not right. This is not right. Jesus said this is a good gift. How do these ideas work out? What am I experiencing? Why is this like this? And it was because I was taking a bandage and I was trying to cure my flu with it. Ugh. 
shoving a bandage down other people's throats too, apparently, you know, and it wasn't working. Renewing your mind. We have all been given in how we are made. We've all been given a, a normal level of emotion. But don't limit that emotion. That's why we've been given emotion. We're his temple. We are to reflect him. We can't reflect him if we don't have emotion because he has emotion. See it all through scripture, right? So we've all been given a normal level of emotion. Renewing your mind takes place in this normal place. When you are up here in your anger, and you're like, and your mind, you're going, why am I this angry? Why does everything do this angry? It's not that big a deal. And yet everything in you is like, I'm so angry right now. That is not a normal level emotions of emotion. That's a battle. You're trying to fight your way back to peace. <laughs> and it feels like you're trying to do everything you can to get it back, <laughs> to squid it down, you know? And then that's for anything. I mean, take your pick. We've been given a normal level. If it feels like a battle, it's because it's a battle. It is not a renewing your mind. If it feels like the flu, it's not a flesh wound. If it feels like the battle, a battle, it's because it is a battle. And our battle is not with, our battle is with, Principalities, rulers, authorities, and the unseen world. Feels like a battle. You're not fighting yourself. You know how much freedom I found in that? Oh, there's not something wrong with me. I'm not the problem. <laughs> I've been doing the right thing. I'm really new. I'm really new. I've really been given a new heart and a new mind. Really? Yeah. But it's underneath a whole bunch of crap. A whole bunch of lying, stealing, killing, and destroying. Knowing the difference. There's different references here. I left my Bible at your house, but that's okay. You guys probably know most of these. Romans, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians. These are passages that are, are specifically talking about renewing your mind. That's your thoughts, right? So our house has been under construction for, I don't know, over a year. Definitely over a year. It's been a long year, all right? Last winter we had, like, no heat. We were all living in the living room. Our walls had holes in them. It was crazy, okay? It was a long time. So I was at the place this fall where I was, like, waiting for something to be fully completed. Like, there's been lots of stuff done, but I was waiting to be able to look at something and be like, that is done. Like, done, done. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. So we were getting a fireplace in, a gas fireplace, and the guys were coming to install it, and I was thinking, like, yes, I'm going to see something done. Like, this is going to be amazing. I could, like, it was hopeful in my heart. I was excited. And then um, 
I came upstairs. I knew the guys had installed and left, and I came upstairs, and I'm like giddy with excitement, and I go and I look towards the living room, and it's like covered with cardboard and pieces missing. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh. And I could feel the tears start to well up in my eyes because I had had this hope and this excitement. I can tell you right now, in the past, that would have led to me starting to engage with a poor me mindset. God, how come we always have to, everything tips up? Whoa. How come I can't just have one stinking finished thing in my house? Why me? I don't know. It didn't have to be anything. It was like a eesh. You know, like just that it would have gone into a self-pity. But about a month before I was having a self-pity thing, and God said to me right in my ear, that's self-pity. And I was like, <coughs> this isn't me. This is self-pity. Self-pity, you get off of me right now in Jesus' name. I don't have you. I was bought with a price. I belong to Jesus. You get out. You go to the pit of hell, and you don't come back to me. And immediately, my tears stopped. My emotions were level, and I was fine. And I was like, that was weird, because I was really crying. God. So then I have this other instance that I know would have led to that ex same exact thing, because I've had that throughout my life. The buildup, the self-pity, the buildup, self-pity. Uh-huh. I feel my eyes well up with tears. Normal level of emotion. I think about it for a minute. You know what? The house is going to be good. The house is already coming really well. Like, it's going to be okay. My tears go back down, and I'm content. That's renewing your mind. In a normal place. It doesn't mean your emotions go away. It means that situations arise, your emotions go there, and you say, God, is this the appropriate response that reveals who you are right now? And it's a choice. You really just feel like it's a choice. I didn't feel this overwhelming urge that I had to think. Like, I didn't have what would happen in the past is I'd have like 50 things come over my mind of all the reasons why I should be upset on top of the one reason that triggered it all. No, that was all gone. And I just had a choice. It was an easy choice. That's renewing your mind. There's a difference between the two. So those scriptures that I have for you there, those are, those are about renewing your mind. The other ones are about spiritual warfare. Something entirely different. And something that prior to what I know now, I thought was this external thing, because I didn't realize the battle within first, I was trying to pull out the speck in other people's eyes, you know, with my sword, and I hadn't even, like, shaken out the, I didn't even realize there was something in my eye. I didn't, I didn't know what was up, you know. We were bought with a price. We were bought with a price. And there was a very high price that was paid. And it was paid for the fullness of freedom. 
It was paid for all that we talked about, the adoption, the spiritual adoption, the spiritual redemption, the fullness of the kingdom of heaven, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, all of who God is in us. Those are big words and big ideas that I don't know if I've met anybody in the church that really walk by. Why? I, I'm not settling. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not settling. If there's a fullness to now inside of me, I want it. Scripture's telling me there is. It's telling me there is. So recognizing two kingdoms, there's a kingdom of light. We know this. And Scripture talks about a kingdom of darkness. As we've come and started walking people into the truth of what God purchased for them on the cross, we've noticed two kingdoms at work in people. Things are like attached to each other. Things came in together. They got to go out together. There's hierarchies. There's things that are stronger than other things. Like, what the God? Wow. <laughs> that was my response. <laughs> but the fact is, is his cross beats them all. His cross beats them all. It doesn't matter in the moment how big something's trying to make itself appear. Really, it's a parasite. It's just being pushed out. And the more you begin to understand who you are, the more you begin to go, I'm not settling for anything less than 100% of what God has for me. You are to be filled with the light. Filled with light. There would be no shadow, no dark, no nothing. Do you guys believe that's a reality and can happen? The reason... The reason the church, I believe, the reason that the church has suffered so much and has been as ineffective as it has been, we've seen pockets of effectiveness. There's genuine love for Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I genuinely love Jesus, you know. But the reason for the level of ineffectiveness in the church is because we don't know what we're actually doing. We're trying. It's not for lack of trying. It's not for lack of sincerity. It's not for lack of knowing Scripture. It's for lack of knowledge. What is it that's actually going on? So we're going to go back to that understanding of the shadow, right? And we're going to talk about Israel's history. Scripture says that all Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we have salvation by the blood of the Lamb. I'm talking about Israel. <laughs> I'm talking about Egypt, right? They take the blood of the lamb and they put it on the doorpost of their home. The spirit of death passes over their home and they are saved. They're saved. Is that the end of their story? No. No, they got to leave Egypt, right? So they leave Egypt. They're saved. They got to leave Egypt. And they, they get to the edge of the promised land. This land that had been theirs prior to ever being a slave. 
400 years, their family had been enslaved, right? Prior to that, Abraham had been given this land. I want you to think about Adam and Eve prior to sin. What had they been given? The Garden of Eden, unbroken communion with God, right? Those are two things we will get. Right now, it's unbroken communion with God. We get back to what the original inheritance was. We were redeemed back to original value, back to pre-sin, back to like Adam and Eve, right? Okay, so they get the salvation, the blood of the lamb being over the doorpost of the home. They leave, they get to the edge of the promised land, and they send some spies in, and the spies come back and they go, no, we can't do it, too scary, these giants. They didn't know who they were. They didn't yet believe that God was going to be for them, <laughs> you know, that he was going to go and, and do this with them and for them. They, they, they didn't really believe that that was their inheritance. You know, there's a whole lot of factors playing out there. And so they didn't get to go in. They weren't ready. So God let them wander around in the desert for 40 years. They come back now knowing. They come back now as warriors. You know, they're ready to take the land. They go and they go, that is our land. That is our inheritance. God gave that to us. And we now see you with different eyes because if you had my laptop, I would take it back. If I wasn't convinced it was my laptop, I wouldn't be taking it from you. Two very different things. If you have something of mine that I know is mine, I'd be like, give it back. That's mine. Unless I feel like being generous. But for the, for the you know, what we're talking about. But if I don't, <laughs> if I don't know that it's mine, if I'm not convinced that it's mine, I'm going to be like, don't know. I can't. Let's, you know. They came back to the edge of the promised land and they knew. They knew who they were. They knew who their God was because they didn't know who their God was. They knew who their God was, that he was for them and that he had said that this was theirs. So now it's a whole different ballgame. They cross over and they go into the land and God says, we're going to take this land city by city. And so they go, and he gives them instructions for Jericho, right? Go march around the city seven times. No, seven days. Seventh day, seven times. Blow your trumpet. Walls come down. Ta-da! You win. And then they get to move on to the next city with a different strategy to the next city, right? But God's saying, wipe out everything. Get rid of everything. Long story short, seven years later, they get all of the promised land. They get it all. And Joshua says, God has been faithful to every promise that he's given us. And he says, God has been faithful to fight every battle. Two interesting things, because yes, God fought their battles, but they also fought them. They knew who fought them, but they fought them as well, right? So that's all in the shadow. We come to the reality, the dim reality now, and we say the blood of Jesus was on the cross. Salvation for all who would receive him. 
to all who would call upon his name. To them, he gave the right to become children of God. Right? You're saved. You're saved. Now you have an inheritance. Now you're part of a new bloodline, a new family. You have an identity. You are God's people. You start walking through your life and you're noticing that <laughs> it's not quite so different as you thought it was going to be. Well, you know, <laughs> I was told when I give my life to Jesus, things were going to get better. But it's still wrong. There's no safety there. Well, because there's still an enemy who is stealing your inheritance. The inheritance is yours. The truth is that is there. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been given everything that you need for life and godliness. You are a new creation in Christ. These are true statements. And yet some voice in our ear says you're never going to get good. You're always going to fall. Why do you keep doing that? You're such an idiot. Aren't they aggravating? I think they're just trying to control them. Just get them under, under your control. You know, just stop. And we think it's our thoughts. We think it's us. Because we don't know any better now. No, once the cross came on the picture, you were made new. You were made in the image of God. I'm telling you, if it's not like God, then it's not like you. He says that he took our heart of stone and he gave us a heart of flesh. He gave us a new heart. It says that we've been given the mind of Christ. Are these true or are these not true? They're true. They're true. These questions that I had, God, why didn't you come through? Why didn't you come through? Because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I'd been given, and I didn't know how to wield the sword. I didn't know how to grab hold of everything that Christ purchased for me. I didn't know because stuff has been lost. The message of the gospel has been brought down to repeat after me. Jesus, I, 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 I want you to come into my life. What a backward statement that is. Forgive me of my sins and let me go to heaven. That is what Christianity has come down to with the gospel. We miss a lot. Joy, saved, healed, delivered. Where's all that? <laughs> now when people come to Christ, we're saying, what's on you? What, what moments in your life built you up to where you're at? We're going to surrender them all to Christ. Let's ask Holy Spirit to begin to reveal what are the things that, the traumas that were on you that for so long you walked in the result of, well, no, the effects of those died on the cross and you're a new creation. Let's surrender those at the cross. Let's give them up. Give them up. Give them up. They don't define you anymore. They're not who you are. The power of the cross covers you. What are the things that have been on you, attacking you? Panic, depression, you know, anxiety. What are the things, these temptations, these strongholds, these addictions, what are these things that have latched onto you? Let's leave them at the cross. We're going to bring them to the cross. 
You are new in Christ. Let's break these things off. The power of death has been broken off of you. You have been given an inheritance. It's time to come into it. So, last summer, after all of this happened, and I was a, you know, a freaking train wreck, um, <laughs> I was, um, God began to say, okay, it's time to start learning who you are. You're going to start renouncing things, repenting of things. You know, you're going to start breaking off agreements of things, okay? Okay, I've heard all this before. This sounds good, biblical. Let's do this, doing this. We're doing it with people in our church. And God started bringing people to our house, one person a day for all the month of July and August. People were just showing up to get set free, but we didn't know what we were doing still. We were in the beginning. And uh, we were noticing measures of freedom. Like there was freedom that was coming, but it wasn't fullness of it because we didn't know about kicking the things off. <laughs> we were just saying, all right, now now that we've broken every agreement, you you anxiety, you leave in the name of Jesus, and um, and then we'd move on to the next one. You leave in the name of Jesus, thinking it was that easy, thinking the battle didn't win or the battle. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, whatever. So, anyways, it was not working perfectly. There were people who were having a measure of freedom, but then there were people who were, <laughs> I think Sandy was one of them, had a measure of freedom, but then went home and had a crazy, blown out anxiety attack. People that went like totally <laughs> afterwards. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> Jesus, what's happening? Like, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? We're, you're teaching us this. You're teaching us this. What is this? Well, he began to teach, teach me, no, you need to make sure these things leave. Okay? Things are hanging on to you. They're hanging on to you, and they're not going to leave without a fight. If they think that you think that they're gone, they're just going to stay. They're just going to harass and harass and harass. And so I began to understand this picture of deliverance and, and I, I started to take note of what was going on in me because if it's not like God then it shouldn't be in me. I should have the fullness of, of everything. So I would get these like graphic sexually graphic pictures that would jump into my mind and I'd be like what the heck like they aren't anything that I even wanted and then you know like I didn't like them they made me angry and they would come like I'd be out preaching and boom there it is like what the Get away from me, Satan, you know, and I kind of thought he was flying around there throwing stuff on me. I didn't really know, but it was frustrating as all get out that it wouldn't stop, right? How many times do I have to keep doing this, God? Like, it's not like I'm engaging in this. Like, this is pathetic, you know, but I kind of kind of settled for thinking that that was the life of the believer, that I'm just going to fight things my whole life, right? No, that's a lie. That's a lie. You're not supposed to fight things internally your whole life. You were set free. <laughs> Those are big words, and they mean something. So anyways, I go, okay, wait a minute. So deliverance, is this a thing? God, is this is this thought thing a thing? I go, yeah. What is it? It's a tormented spirit. Where did it come from, God? Well, it came, you know, 15 years ago when your husband had confessed to looking at pornography and 
and you went on the computer and you began to search out everything you could possibly find to feed your hurt and your anger, what he might have looked at and yada, 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 opened a door for something to torment. And I'm like, but God, <laughs> this is 15 years ago and I'm healed from that. <laughs> like, I, I don't I'm, I'm fine mentally, emotionally, I'm healed. And he said, yeah, but you never kicked it out. Freaking kidding me? Been harassing me for 15 years, and I just thought it was something floating around, and it doesn't even have a right to me. And it's just because calling me a sucker because I don't know who I am. I'm like, okay, you wicked spirit. You don't have a place in me. I was bought by Jesus. I break you off right now. God, I repent. I repent of doing that, looking at that stuff on the computer. I forgive myself. I forgive Jim. I forgive anybody I got to forgive. God, I break all that off in Jesus' name. Tormented spirit, you get off of me. You go to the pit of hell. You don't come back here. It's been five months. Nothing. Gone. Gone. I have story after story after story after story after story after story after story of that. Where now it's like, wow. I feel great because of what I'm starting to realize is if it's not like God, it's not like me, and it doesn't belong, and I'm not fighting myself. I'm not fighting myself. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because it's not. we're not fighting ourselves. You were made new. The cross speaks the better word over you. You are not a slave to sin anymore. You are a slave to, to righteousness. You might just be being suckered right now. But once you know who you are, you can stand up in it, and you can be like, no more. Nuh-uh. Not playing with me. What do we got the t-shirt? Not today, Satan. Not happening. And guess what? When they leave, they can't come back. They can't come back. This is your inheritance. They're in rebellion to God. Yeah, Jesus is waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. We're kicking them now. We're kicking them there. I was never allowed to say, go to hell. It's like my favorite line now. <laughs> I say it every day <laughs> to the appropriate thing. <laughs> there is freedom in Christ. I love, I love being able to look at people now and say, oh, there's freedom for them. And to know it. To know it, to know it, it's freedom. Now, it's not always super quick and easy like that. There's times you're, <laughs> you're wrestling and you're wrestling and that thing's like, I'm not leaving, you want me here. No, I don't, yes you do, no, I don't, yes you do, no, I don't, yes you do. Nope, yep. Fire of God come upon that thing. You scripture, you tear down strongholds. What was the lie that was in me that I was believing? Now, what was the lie? 
Let's tear it down right now. What does the scripture say? You pick up your sword of the spirit and you begin to pierce that thing and pierce that thing and pierce that thing. And I'm telling you, I get it now that it's really a sword because as I speak scripture to these things, I have people manifesting these things going, shut the F up, beggar stop. Uh, you witch! <laughs> You're going to hell! Yes! I'm so awesome! And so are you! God has put his spirit inside of you. The world is to be changed by your life, but you have to know the freedom first. And it's there, and it's real, and it's true. And until you know who you are, and what you've been given, you're going to continue to cycle around and cycle around and cycle around and cycle around again and wonder why is God not coming through? You're lying. Any thought that comes through my head now, any thought, thing, Thank you for revealing yourself. You're going to hell. And every time something leaves, it's like a peace, a faith, a joy, a strength, a hope, a greater, the endurance is greater. It's just bigger. Some of it's sometimes subtle, but it's there. So you guys have heard me talk long enough. I'm going to have some people share some testimonies. Okay, because God has been blowing our minds this week. Blowing our minds. All right, who wants to go first? Michelle, come on up. We've all felt anxiety, chattery mind when you can't sleep. Um, I was always trying to prove myself, um, working really hard at work and trying to get approval of people all the time. I never really thought myself as being a people pleaser, but I was. Um, I believed in God. I loved God. God brought me through so many things in my life, but I was working really hard because I really didn't have the joy that it talks about in the word, and I wanted that joy, and I remember one day taking my walk, and I said, Lord, I am doing everything that you say, and it's not going away. I need you to move. And I heard about deliverance. I had been actually rebuking things on my own, and I had no idea what I was doing. But I did feel things lifting. So I did go, and I spent time with um, Lydia. And there were things so deep inside of me, and I did not know that it was there. That it had taken up residence in me that I couldn't even see what was really in front of me. 
that but I went there so willing that I was not leaving until God moved. And he moved that night. <laughs> and so did what was in me out there. And I left there, and I had um, things happen in my life in relationship with my husband that I couldn't see the transformation that was happening in him. That I had such an anger inside of me that no matter what he did was never enough. And the Lord had spoke to me prior to going to Lydia's. Michelle, no matter what he does, is never going to be enough. I did it on trust. That's what you need to see. But I couldn't see that until after that night. And when I left there, I went home and I looked at him with a love that I haven't had in over 35 years. I had eyes to see my husband again. They, when I walked in the door, he was like, And I was like, I was just like so excited. And it just keeps on going. We went out to dinner with a couple last night. And he was asked by them, do you see a difference? He hasn't told me. But he said, wow, did I see a difference. And I'm not done. Because now that I've learned what to do, even though I was doing it, I didn't know what I was doing. But I'm so excited because God said, here. This is what you do. You use Lydia to do that. This is what you do. Because we can do it. So I'm excited because it's true. I want it all. My name is Deb, and um, I'm sitting here and realizing um, some fruit from what I've experienced with Lydia in the last eight weeks, and um, I'm starting to think, gosh, if, if I have opportunity to speak, what am I going to say? And I always think, I need to think about this. Because the Holy Spirit's going to do it, and, um, you know, I'm going to have to pre-plan and, and miss what she's teaching about because I'm thinking about, oh, no, what am I supposed to talk to me? What am I going to say? And actually, I was sitting there going, I hope she calls on me because I can't wait to talk about what Jesus has done. And that's new. That's really new. I mean, there's always been this holding back and reluctance in me. I know exactly where it came from. It came from trauma when I was a little girl that made me feel as an adult like I have no voice. And it actually, a mindset the Lord revealed before I ever went to Lydia was, I believe I have no say. Um, God was already doing work in my heart over the last several years, actually, as I think back, but already laying a foundation. Um, and uh, another thing that I felt have kind of stumbled upon this week was um, the scripture, and I don't remember where it is, when... Um, the lame beggar was healed at the gate called Beautiful. And um, words jump out to me, and I read that, and I went, why did they name the gate? Why is that in Scripture? Why is it so important? So I looked it up in the, in the concordance, and the word beautiful actually means timely. The lame beggar was healed at the time that it would most glorify the Lord, and, and the Lord had that plan. 
And when I was asked by a friend, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this with Lydia and um, someone else we know did that and this was her experience. And before she even said, would you come along and be a prayer partner? It was like I had a knowing in my knower. The spirit, the spirit, I knew that I was going to be there and she was going to ask me to come with her. And before she even finished asking the question, I said, yes, <laughs> I'd be happy to. <laughs> and as we're sitting there when we first arrive, and Lydia's telling us a little bit of what she shared with you, her backstory, how she arrived at this point, I'm going, I'm so going to do this. Lord, you brought me here. Uh, th I know I need to do this. So within a, a week or two, I was there. Um, but, um, you know, in that shadow where the Israelites fought all those battles we can read about in the Old Testament and where he got appointed king after king after king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. You know, the good kings, it always said, um, restored the ways of the Lord and they followed the, the ways of the Lord again in the land, and the land prospered and did good. And at the very end of every all those books, it would say, but he failed to take down the high places. And that is what has been like as a, a Christian for 20-plus years. Is That's how I see it now, that I've been trying and trying and doing, and, and like, like Michelle said, God, I'm doing what your word says to the best that I believe I can. But I failed to take down the high places. And what's happening now is the high places are coming down. And, um, you know, I went and I was one of those people where they were stubborn. <laughs> and <laughs> that first day was a long day. And I even heard those spirits say to me, it's going to be a long day, Deb. Like, you sure you want to get into this? I mean, I, I heard that. And, they, I, and I felt it physically. And I'm sharing this with you because you're probably sitting here wondering, going, well, what is it really like? It's different for everybody. But on that occasion, I felt those things physically, like digging down. And, and there was a stubbornness about them. And we later learned that because there were some things that had gone in together and they needed to come out together, and they hadn't all been identified. Um, but that did come to light. Um, and uh, it was a long day. And by that afternoon, we started in the morning. By the afternoon, I'm thinking, maybe I should just be done. Maybe I should just say, okay, that's enough. But I also knew in my knower that that wasn't the right thing. And I did leave there with a level of freedom. But the next morning, and the next morning I woke up at 4 a.m., not normal for me, um, and I was smiling and happy, and I just went, I think I'm going to get up and worship God. I think it's a good day to do that. And, you know, one of the things I've been asking God for in, in um, all these um, pursuing healing in him was to restore my emotional capacity. Because along with losing a voice, I also became very numb and very flat. And I knew enough to know that God had more for me than that. And, um, you know, there's thoughts that go along with that. They become strongholds, things like, oh, this is just the way I am. I'm just subdued. I just am a loner. I just, you know, I like to think about things without talking about them. There's all kinds of justifications, but really what was happening is I was being harassed. Because there were things that I had come into agreement with, unknowingly, that needed to be evicted and lose their opportunity to influence me anymore. Um, 
So I'll keep it shorter because I'm getting long-winded. Um, <laughs> Lydia texts me the next day or just two days later and says, how are you doing? I knew right then that I needed to go back. That was confirmation because it was already stirring in me, even though I was experiencing some freedom, like she said. Um, and we scheduled that and went back, and that wasn't nearly as long of a day. I think there were just a few hours and a half of it was just us talking. Um, but what uh, happened after that, again, whole new level of freedom. Something physically came off me. I've been struggling with asthma. It was like a 50-pound weight came off my chest, and I could breathe again. Just that alone made me feel like I was walking two feet off the ground. <laughs> um, it was a lot easier to catch thoughts, almost like catching them in a net, something that was not loving and not of the Father, and I would just go, oh, that's not of you, God, is it? I'm, just I'm not even going to think that. I'm getting a new thought. That became much easier. Um, then one day I was driving in the car, and a thought came into my mind, and it was about perfectionism. And in the past, I just thought, yeah, I err on the side of perfectionism. It doesn't control me. I don't have receiving. But um, I like things in a certain order. <laughs> I don't infringe that on other people, so it's not a problem. And I'm humble, too. <laughs> but the day things started talking to me and said, but you need me. And right at that moment, I went, this is what she was talking about. This is not me. No, I do not need you. Yes, you do. We protect you. No, Jesus Christ is my protection. And guess what? Your days are numbered now because I know what to do. And that happened a few times, and you know, I ended up going back with Lydia, and um, we basically, that, that's gone, the perfectionism. And that's why I was sitting here tonight going, I can't wait. I hope she calls on me because I get to talk because I got my voice back, and I'm not a perfectionist. I don't have to sit here and stress about what I'm going to say or if I'm going to mess it up. And I'm smiling, yes. And I'm not even done yet. That's not even the whole story. So here's a <laughs> the, the, the fruit that is coming and is in process is that um, strongholds are being dismantled. You know, um, this word kept coming up again in my thoughts, in my conversations. Pay attention to how you think and how you talk because it reveals much. Um, uh, somewhere in the mix of that, our pastor preached on um, he was the seven mountains in culture, the place where church can influence culture, and one of them is arts and entertainment, and he talked a lot about creativity on that day, and I've never thought of myself as creative, and, uh, you know, I don't play an instrument, I don't sing other than um, while I chew on my own, um, nothing formal, I'm not an artist, I don't paint, I don't draw none of those things, and I thought, I'm just not creative. And the Lord corrected me that day, and he said, no, actually what it is is you don't even like the word creative because it makes you uncomfortable because it's expressive. And when you express yourself, there's a vulnerability to it, and it makes you feel unsafe. 
And what you actually do, Deb, is that you put everything in a context of work. And work is something that makes me feel comfortable because it takes strength and industriousness. And those are things that are acceptable to me and my family that I come from. Emotions and creativity and spatial ideas, not comfortable. We speak the language of task and work hard and uh, don't even bother to get emotional about things because they just slow you down. So um, God began to crack that open. And um, a couple weeks later in a, um, another group that I'm involved in and um, has some homework involved, it was the lesson I was doing was on grief. And I'm praying about this, and Lord, what is this lesson about? And, you know, I don't, I don't even want to do this lesson. I, this is the third time I've gone through this homework because I helped lead the group. And, uh, you know, this one just doesn't resonate with me. And the Lord began to speak this to me. And he um, said, no, actually, it's like creative. You don't even like the word grief because you associate it with things that are sloppy and messy and emotional, and that's not safe for you. It's work. And there was that word again and as I prayed I kept hearing um, what you do and I saw it it was actually generational too is you um, I thought something about saying this wasn't good the, the phrase that kept coming into my mind was you have a mentality of just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going and this was in relation to grief and uh, I was like, oh. And you know, still praying through this, and a few minutes later, that it just kept coming. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I was like, you know what? I'm going to look this up, do a little research. Where did that figure of speech come from? And um, my research said it came from the 1800s, and it was actually an, an insult that people of affluence would say that to somebody who was um, stuck in poverty, and it was implying that they were deluded that if they thought that they could better themselves enough to get out of that situation, um, that it would be like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Now, if I pulled on the straps on the back of my boots, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall flat on my face. And as soon as I saw that, I started laughing. I'm like, wow, I am really stupid, God. Because that's what I've been doing with this mindset and putting everything into a context of work. It makes me fall flat on my face. And I can't do it myself. I can't protect myself. I can't plan for myself. I, you know, and, and I'm, ro I'm, I'm robbing myself of the very thing that I've been asking God to restore, which was my emotional capacity. That industriousness made me stop healing. And all the while, all my life, I've been blaming it on a trauma that happened when I was a little girl. Now, maybe some of this mindset came from that. But there's been this harassing spirit of perfectionism and pride that have ha exploited it. So um, one more example of that, having a conversation with my husband, and this is the one that's going to change my world. Um, I was having a conversation with my husband, um, and we're just spending some time alone together, and um, his love language is touch. Mine is not. <laughs> and I'm touching him. And I'm talking about something else, totally unrelated to us being together. And he says, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? We're spending time together. Share my thoughts with you. And that would be one of these. Things. But your thoughts are like off in another world, and you're not even present with me. 
questions. Um, I thought to myself, oh, so not only do I have to think about touching him, but now I also need to think about uh, making sure that I'm only talking about us being together. That sounds like a lot of work. I'm thinking this, I'm not saying it out loud, and I went, <coughs> there it is again. And that really has messed me up because I see how that stronghold that was being held there by pride and perfectionism is influencing and affecting my marriage. Now, with all those other things, there's a difficulty being close and intimate because there's things to tie to safety. And so um, in that moment, with my husband calling me out, and it annoyed me, I did not want to have the conversation, um, that stronghold was being dismantled. And if I hadn't kicked out pride and perfectionism, I would have been blind to it, and I would have gotten mad at my husband, and it would have ended not good. So what's happening as a result of this is a marriage will change. My heart is changing. My children will change. And what happens when you change a household and a family that goes to church and is part of a church community, you change the church. And when we change the church, we change a region and we'll change a nation and it will be the kingdom of heaven on earth. definitely want to respect everybody's time. I know it's 8 o'clock now, and so, no, 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 that's okay. So, I want to give people opportunity if you have questions. If anybody has any questions that they want to ask. definitely would like for this would have been handy to know 18 years ago you know as people started to flood through our home <laughs> um, this brings a level and a dynamic to uh, the message of the cross that we've always preached to people that we've always shown people God loves them their life matters and there is freedom from that for them um, We had a young man who lived with us. His name was Rich. He lived with us for about a year. He came off of uh, heroin and suboxins. And he had been a, a violent gang member for a long time. And, um, you know, he came to live with us and, uh, you know, accepted the Lord. Really had a, an incredible conversion experience. God spoke to him. It was moving. You know, he knew it was God. And, um, but after, after a year, he ended up moving from our home and slowly but surely began to slide back into old things. And, um, as far as we're concerned, we're always, you know, we'll love you no matter what. You can't live here no matter what, but we'll love you no matter what, <laughs> you know. Um, 
you need a shower, food, come on over. We're going to love you. We're your family. It's okay. Um, but God has more for you, and we're going to hold that for you, that God has more for you that's better for less. So anyways, he slides back into all of this, and, and we're talking back and forth, and he's struggling, and things are going on, and whatever. And God begins to teach us about deliverance and all of this, and um, he finds himself in a detox again and goes to a sober home. And he starts coming up to visit while he's in the sober home, coming to church, visiting, whatever. And uh, he sits down with me and he says, so, Lyd, what's, what's new? What's going on? And I'm like, oh, you want to hear? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And so I start telling him that God's been teaching us about deliverance. And he's like, oh, I'm feeling sick in my stomach. <laughs> I'm like, I bet you are. <laughs> but I got a meeting in five minutes, so you got to go, but we'll talk later. And he's like, okay. Well, he calls me 15 minutes later, and he's like, Lloyd, everything inside of me is screaming, do not go back to that house. <laughs> he's like, but because of what you said, I'm really aware that God has loved me. And I said, so when can I come back? <laughs> and, uh, I said, well, you know, we got a couple meetings. You can come to my 8 o'clock, whatever. So we, he showed up at a prayer meeting, 8 o'clock, and Jim, my husband Jim and I, we took him in a back room. And now this is a guy that I know. I know what he's struggled with his whole life. And I would have, if I were to assess his, his demons, if I were to assess what might be on him, I'd be like, okay, violence, um, anger, sexual stuff, addiction, you know, the list is endless, right? Um, but he comes and he sits down and we let Holy Spirit lead. So we say, okay, you know, engage in this process. Holy Spirit, what is it that has been stealing from Rich? He's like, oh, my God. It's fear. And I say, I've had this same fear in the pit of my stomach since I was a little, a little kid. I wasn't expecting fear to have a long list of things I was expecting, but fear, okay, Holy Spirit, say fear, let's get, let's get fear off of you, and so we get, begin to break every hold of fear, of like, you're going to receive this, or fear, and I ask God, who do I need to forgive, I don't know, is there anyone forgiveness, and we're really just coming transparent, letting the light of Christ shine on us, you know, <laughs> so that he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and, uh, this fear, and, and Rich is a super, he's got such a good brain, like he's brilliant, brilliant man um, when he's clean, brilliant, and super analytical, and he felt this thing come off his stomach, up his throat, and out of his head, and off his arm, and he was like, what just happened? And like fear just left at the name of Jesus, is what just happened. And he went home, and he's like, Everything is different. Everything is different. This is what drove me to drugs. This is what drove me to relationships. This is what drove me, Lydia. And it's gone. It's gone. I'm like, I know. Isn't that amazing? God's amazing. He's amazing. He's come back a couple more times now because, again, we talk about taking it a city at a time. Until we get the whole promised land, don't just think one and done because that stuff that's still in you is going to be like, oh, let's take those things back. And you're going to be like, why am I still feeling? No, 
Go after it all. Go after the fullness. Go after it all. Know who you are. Rise up in it. Take it all. But anyway, so as far as addiction and walking people into freedom is concerned now, this is like, a, this, is the, this is part of salvation. It's not any different. It's just now knowing it, it's going to be majorly a part of it. And I'm expecting to see transformation in a, on a whole new scale um, as freedom comes, as we're able to call it out and offer it up for what it is. Uh, Ryan, do you mind me sharing a little bit of your story? All right. Ryan was like a, uh, a violent uh, cop killer. When he moved into our house, um, you know, look at him. He looks like a teddy bear now. <laughs> but he was angry, man. He was an angry, angry man. But he actually wasn't an angry man. There was a, a thing that was on him since he was very little. And he actually knew about it. He had a name for it. It was named Cain. Okay. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> okay. So he comes in. He and his wife were, were homeless and a couple from a couple girls from our church had taken a walk. God told them to veer into the woods. They found a campsite, left a note. Jesus loves you. Give us a call. They call. They show up. You know, he, she, they bring them to church. Ryan's wondering how the heck he got into our house because he hates God. He worships Satan. Um, all of this stuff, and and we begin. You know, he begins to learn about God, experience the love of Jesus. Things begin to happen, and he begins to come out about how he, when he was five years old. Um, he was being abused by his stepmother. And this thing came on him at that age and protected him. So deceptive. So deceptive. And I see now how often this starts with little kids. Starts on little kids. So deceptive. It came on as a protector. It helped him get away. It helped him have nobody touch him, nobody hurt him. He was going to hurt them first, if anything. That was going to be what it was going to be, you know. And, and so it came as a protector, and pretty soon the protector became the master, you know. He would find himself in situations where he had done very violent things and had no memory of it and had court cases for it, you know. Stuff like that happening. Well, as Jesus come on the scene and he gives his life to the Lord, um, he gives his life to Jesus. We were still very barely learning about deliverance at that point. I mean, we were starting to know what we're doing. Not that we do now, but we knew, you know, less than we know now. But um, so I say, all right, well, clearly there's something on you. You talk to it. You know its name. You black out. That thing takes over. We know there's something there. Um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Let's break this thing off and, and have it go in Jesus' name. And, uh, and we did. He, he got to the point where he wanted it to go. He didn't want it to go at first. This had protected him his whole life. He didn't want it gone. This is what kept him safe on the street. What if he had to go back to the street? You know? But he finally got to the point where, okay, I'm ready to let it go. And we walked through and we broke things off and we gave it to Jesus, nailed it to the cross. And that thing was like, wow. He felt it come out of him like a cold breath of air. And it was gone. Jesus, just like that, it's a free gift. It's, it's a free gift. He didn't have to work for years to learn how to control his anger. Yeah, he'll have to renew his mind so that he's responding like Christ. Yeah, and knowing and loving. But he doesn't have to fight 
to bring something that's up here, trying to make it be down here when it's not because it's not with the mindset. It's a harassment, you know? Oh, I heard Jesus dance, so sorry. It was a long answer, and I keep going on. Any other questions? Yeah. I had this one girl who had, uh, her and her boyfriend got invited to come actually talk to me and my husband because one of the guys from our church used to live in our house. He's a f on the fire department. And the, the guy was a friend of his who worked in the fire department. They just had a horrible thing happen in their relationship. They were thinking they were going to be done. They were a mess. He was desperate to make it work. They need to see a counselor. Mike says, well, come see, you know, my pastor Lydia. And, and so they come, and they're, he's not a believer, he is now. He was not a believer, and she was like a nominal Christian, right? And um, so I'm not planning on deliverance. I'm planning on hearing her just share her heartache, <laughs> basically. And uh, so we start talking, and we're sharing, yeah, I believe in God, you know, yada, 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 and this is what's going on, I'm listening, and just we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit because I, I could feel the Holy Spirit starting to lead us in a direction that I wasn't planning on going. Um, and yeah, he, he gets to do that when he wants to. And so I'm kind of gauging this like this is going to freak this girl out. <laughs> like, I don't know how this is going to play out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, How about we just ask God <laughs> if there's something that's been stealing from her? And she's like, okay, okay. And so she closes her eyes and she starts, because a lot of what we're doing is trying to equip people, right? Not do it for them, equip them. And that's fine. So she asks God and she closes her eyes and she goes, you know, yeah, it's something, it's something like if sex is love, sex is love. my God, sex isn't love, is it? And I'm like, no. And she starts sobbing. And she goes, oh my God, I have believed this lie my entire life. Okay, let's ask Jesus for the truth here. And she asks God the truth here. And he is the truth, right? And she's like, overcome, right? And she's like, I feel sick. I'm like, yeah, there's something on you. <laughs> We're going to get it off. And she's like, she all of a sudden knew. And she grabs her ponytail holder and she throws her hair up in a ponytail and she's like, are you kidding me? And I said, no, there's, there's something that's been stealing from you, sweetheart. I know this is weird. I know you're going to, okay? But it's real 
something's been stealing from you. I think her name is Jezebel, okay? And she's like, we're going to get this bee out of me. And I'm like, okay, let's do it, right? So we start to go. We start to go. And I say, Jezebel, are you in there? And all of a sudden, she starts manifesting. Never gets old. Um, <laughs> like, okay. Do you have any legal right to be here? Yes. And she's like, go for it. Come back to me, girlfriend. I'm going to break this right off right now in Jesus' name. I just say in the name of Jesus, I break off Jezebel. Every hold that she has, my life is surrendered to Jesus. You have no place here. Jezebel, in the name of Jesus, you get up and you get off of me. You go to the pit of hell. And she's like, off of her. She's like, oh, my God, that just left me. She's like, I feel like I have a new body. I feel like I have a new body. I have felt the same way my whole life, and it's different now. So that's what happened with somebody. And I'll tell you, so she'd been sleeping with her boyfriend. I mean, this is what people do, right? I didn't have to convince her to stop sleeping with her boyfriend. She begins to ask Jesus, Jesus, give me steady ground to stand on. I need to know you better. Give me steady sound. And so she comes back like three weeks later, and she's like, so Jesus said the word celibate to me. And she said, and it just sounded so right. So I'm going to save myself till marriage. Like, so I didn't have to say, all right, set up boundaries. I'm going to set up boundaries and resist. And da, 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 da. The harassment is gone. And you now hear the Lord, and you're able to go. So that's one example. Just yesterday morning, I was in 1269, which is a homeless outreach that we go and do on Friday morning. And um, uh, I was there, and, and a woman came up to me, and she was like, you feel peaceful. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. She's like, well, if God is real, how come I'm in a shelter? If God's real, how come I was abused as a child? I said, there's an answer for that. Jesus came for you to have life and abundant life. There's another one who came to allow you to be okay and restored. So you don't have any harassing rights. You can say, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 16 years old. And I do love him. So I believe you, sweetheart. I believe you. And since you have the power of the cross in your life, I'm going to do a couple things I hate. I said, okay. And the Holy Spirit, what is it? The spirit of abuse. Okay, I'm going to break off the spirit of abuse in Jesus' name. God, we we re repent for any agreement with this. God, is there anyone I need to forgive? She had a laundry list of people she needed to forgive. Forgive this person. that, And you could see the weight was coming off of her back, even as she was forgiving, 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 and then all of a sudden, all right, we're ready. This thing has nothing else to hang on to. Every lie has been decimated. Everything's been brought to the cross. Spirit of abuse, I say, you say this to yourself. Put your hand on yourself because you're a child of God and you get to say it. Spirit of abuse, you have no place in my life. You don't have my mind, my body, my emotions. I belong to Jesus and he has bought me the price. And in Jesus' name, by his authority, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's alive in me, I command you right now, you get up, you get off of me, you go to the pit of hell and you come, don't come back. And at this point, she's like, going and she's like what on earth just happened to you 
abuse policy, that big target on your back that said abuse was lessened. That's what happened. But you always want to make sure the cross is there. So I also had another man yesterday who didn't know Jesus. So I sat down with him and I said, well, we've got to get you to know Jesus. So when do you like it? Jesus says the only freedom comes from him. I said, okay, whatever it takes. So I told him about salvation. Walked you through surrendering your life to Jesus. Okay, do that. We broke addiction off of him and we broke anxiety off of him. And he was like, I feel so peaceful. I said, and for the first time in my life, I feel like I actually have a friend. I said, Jesus is amazing. And you're going to notice other things come up. You have the spirit of God inside of you. You're not allowed to do that. You can do these things, right? So it's equipping as well to go till it's done. Go till it's all done. Take every city till you have the fullness of the land, and you'll see every comma from Jesus is a yes, and you're coming in with the amen, and it's all going to happen because the Lord has won the battle. It's all true. Any other questions?
everything that we do is to be out of relationship with Jesus. Um, and he knows everyone's story and what they need. And so it's really hard to give a hard, soft answer because and each person is so individual. But I do hear what you're saying, and, and there's a couple things I'd want to say to what you're saying. Um, number one, it de- things can definitely prevent is me- mental illness, but then there really is mental illness, or there's the, the effect of being on medication, right? So even what could have started spiritually has taken then root and ad- affected the brain. Medication was involved, and you have to work with that, right? So you can take off even a spirit of mental illness or anxiety and still have to deal with the ramifications of a weaning process because there's stuff going on. Um, And God's gracious in that, you know. But, (laughs) you know, in terms of how long do you let somebody go on for if there's an unwillingness to actually accept what will save their life. Um, I think, you know, just as a blanket to say, okay, from the very beginning, this is our premise. Our premise is that you would know the Lord because he's ultimately the only one who's going to save you. And I'm willing to go the distance with you if you want to try and white-knuckle it. Doesn't sound appealing to me, but I'm willing to go that with you um, in hopes that you'll see the truth of who God is in other ways. But as you begin to feel like you've got it under control, then you need to then go test it out and see if you actually got it as under control as you think that you do. And I'll tell you, if, if you find yourself not as in control as you think that you are, you might want to give Jesus a shot. Because my heart for you is that it would be full transformation. Not that you would struggle for the rest of your life with an addiction. Choose it your way. I mean, I, I'm pretty point blank with people on that. And so when you're starting to feel like you've come to that point where, okay, you've lived here long enough, you're following the rules, it's probably time for you. You got a job, you're doing the stuff. Go if if you're not ready to take what we would say is now the next step, we want you to grow. Uh, we want you to to grow uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, because we're looking at wholeness here. You're growing mentally, emotionally, and physically, getting healthier. If you're unwilling to look at this third component and begin to walk these things out, well, then you've completed what you can complete here, and it's time for you to try. We'll love you either way, whatever you choose. But if you continue here, this is what it's going to look like. We are going to um, pursue Jesus. I'm going to teach you how to pray. I'm going to teach you who he is. We're going to spend time reading the Bible every day. You know, it's going to be not an option for you. And it's not an option for people at our house. We have quiet time every morning. And we have, and we've got church every Friday night and Bible study Wednesday night. But they're growing body, soul, and spirit. So we do that for spiritual growth, and then we've got exercise time and weaning off of stuff and eating healthy and all of these lovely things for physical growth, getting your doctor's appointment squared away, dentist, you know, whatever, eye doctor, those type of things. And then we've got um, your life story, you know, 
getting those things done. So it, you have to be involved at our house. I don't know how it is where you're at. Um, yeah. Well, I know for me, more often than not, people will leave our house, you know, um, angry and saying how controlling we are. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mom. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and, and that's okay. You know, it's what we sign up for. Like, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to love you in a way that even puts my reputation with you on the line. I know you're going to hate me but I'm still going to tell you the truth, you know, um, because I love you. And, and that, that transcends anything. I mean, our family has gotten so big. Um, some of them are doing really, really, really well, and some of them are not yet. But they know that we love them. And so I believe they're all going to go to heaven. I believe that there was a seed planted in every single one. And, uh, but I don't hang on to them forever. <laughs> you know, you have my permission to move them along if you want. <laughs> Any other questions? Did that answer your question? Okay. All right. There's grown to be one over time as we've like <laughs> looped around and done different things. And like, oh, okay. Um, there's grown to be fundamentals that take place in every every process because they have to do with repentance. They have to do with declaring who Christ is. You know, the things that are like really just in scripture that are tied to Peter. So there are steps, fundamental steps. And then there's these may or may not happen. These are questions Holy Spirit may or may not ask you to, you know. I, I actually do have an outline. I, I led the whole church through it the other day so that they would have a better framework because, again, it's about equipping the church. <laughs> not about, I don't want people to be coming to me, you know. I just, oh, I've got to experience this excitement, you know. Um, but, yes, there is. You get a talk. Do you go to this church? 
Yeah, talk to your pastors about having us come and do a weekend training on the fundamentals of deliverance. <laughs> because we'll do that, because there is. Um, and, and there is something to walking it out a couple times. Uh, number one, going through it yourself. And then, and then walking it out with somebody else. Um, it is always very different, but there are fundamentals. Are you one of them? Will you ask me for them now? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you exactly what those are right now? I can run through them in two minutes so fast. Oh, we have a couple printouts. We have a, yeah. Oh, we have one printout? I got it on my phone. I can send it to you. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you ready for that? <laughs> I'll get. I'll get you the outline so you can. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah, so so we never start until we recognize the Holy Spirit's presence, tangibly in us, in us. So even though I know Holy Spirit's in me and whatever, we just God, you're leading us. This is your deal. Go before us, and we pray that, and we pray that, and we speak that, and we declare that until it's like, oh yeah, I, I can feel it. I can feel it right there, and that's when we go forward. And then when we go forward. In the initial conversation with people, as we're sharing their life, I'll ask them, what would you identify in your life are the biggest things that feel like a battle and not just an enemy? And people tend to know right off the top, because especially if you're a believer, you're well aware, right? Um, and so you got your list. Or as the, as the person's telling me their story, I'm like jotting down like, oh, rejection, abandonment, okay, you know? Forgiven, you know, things like that, things that kind of stick out as I'm listening. So, once that part you've heard their story or they've identified those things, we use the list. Um, the first thing we do is renounce it, separate it from their identity. You know, in the name of Jesus, I renounce anger. Andrew, you are not me. You're not my thoughts. You're not my emotions. You're not my body. I hate you. I hate how you make me feel. I want nothing to do with you. You don't get to own me. You don't get to tell me how to feel. You are not me. And I break off all agreement with you in Jesus' name. Um, effectively separating it from the person's own identity because it's not them, right? And in the name of Jesus, I break off every agreement that I've had with a spirit of anger. God, I repent for any agreement that I've had with a spirit of anger. And I receive your forgiveness on it. And we go through each one, anger, anxiety, depression, uh, you know, as, as the list goes. And then we go through, in the name of Jesus, I break off every generational curse of a spirit of anger. I break it off my father's side and my mother's side all the way back to Adam and Eve. I break it off of my life 
going to break it off the life of my offspring until Christ returns because we're tearing down a high place and not letting it touch any future generation. It's decimated. And then we deal with what took place in our lifetime. In the name of Jesus, I break off every negative effect of the spirit of anger in my lifetime. From conception till now, Jesus, nail it all to the cross. It will not define me anymore. In the name of Jesus, I break off every word curse that's been spoken over me by myself or anyone else to say that I have a reason to be anger, angry or that I'm an angry person. I break that off right now in Jesus' name because that's not what you say about me, Jesus, and only your words get to define me. And we ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anyone I need to forgive? And we let Holy Spirit just begin to bring people up to their mind. I f- in the name of Jesus, I forgive so-and-so. In the name of Jesus, I forgive so-and-so. And we go all the way through that. Those are the fundamentals. And then from there, you know, you know, Holy Spirit, show me the lie I was believing. Holy Spirit, show me the false identity that I that anger created in me. I had, we had one guy, he, w- uh, he was a big, like, tough, macho, like, strong, gangster guy, right? And uh, that was the question for him. Holy Spirit, show me the false identity that anger created in me. And then he just saw himself as, like, it was a protection that's what anger was doing for him. It was keeping him untouchable, whatever. It's like, okay, Holy Spirit, show me how you see me. And all of a sudden, he starts breaking down and crying. Like, what you seeing? What are you seeing? <laughs> He's just saying, I'm going to be the Savior of the world in Jesus' name. Just bawl. <laughs> and he screamed. So that really happened, you know, and I didn't ha- remember that when I was a kid. Like, okay, we're going to nail that as false identity. Okay, so I don't need that. Your identity is in Jesus, and Jesus, I don't receive who you say that I am. You know, so there's different things, and it'll be in that outline that you have. There's different questions that can tend to come up like that. Um, Holy Spirit will bring strategy. You just never know what's going to happen. Um, but those are the fundamentals. Then there's questions, and then we get to interrogation time where we actually find out the facts. We wanted to break off everything so that when we get to find out what's actually there, it has no right to be there anymore. That's the goal. And so this is where it gets a little wonky, you know. It gets a little bit like, okay, this isn't what I bargained for. (laughs) Um, Where we just say, okay, Holy Spirit, baptize and fill them with the fire of God, the refining fire. The gold is fire. All the impurities come up to the top and they melt. It just shoots right off. That's what we want. We want the fire of God to burn so hot and touching that every unclean thing rises right up to the surface. And so that's what we do. Fire of God, fill them up. Fill them up. Fill them up. Burn up everything that's not of you that you can bring in there. Spirit of anger, I yield it all. Might hear something, might feel something. They might go, yes! <laughs> Anything can happen, right? <laughs> if, it, if it's there, do you have a legal right? The hope is that it'll say no, that we have broken everything off. If it says yes, we find out what that is so we can break it off. And then once we've broken each thing off, we say, time to tell these guys to leave. 
whenever you go, right now, you must go. Spirit of envy, you have no place in me anymore. You don't have my mind. You don't have my body. You don't all those outer courts, right? All the holy, you don't have my emotions. You don't have any of me. I belong to Jesus. I was bought with a price. I'm his. You have no place in me. So in his name, by his authority, by the power of the Holy Spirit that's alive inside of me, I command you right now, spirit of anger, you get up and you get off of me. You go to the pit of hell and you do not come back. And we go and we go and we go and we go until that person goes, wow, it left. And we go by fire of God in them. We go by speaking scripture as the sword. You know, the wrath of man, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He hasn't given his anger. He's given his righteousness. You know, we just begin to speak truth and speak truth and speak truth. And finally, they're scared. They can't handle it anymore because the fire of God in us, right, is refining. The fire of God through them is hell. Literally. It's a, it's a taste of what's to come for them. And they hate it. That's why we use those and we say, you know, that the, the rivers of living water, these are real things. Rivers of living water well up in this belly right now. Wash this stuff up and out in Jesus' name. Oh, my God, I felt it go out my toes. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. We're learning. But that's it. And it's, it's making sure that they're gone. And, and every time it's different. You know, sometimes people don't feel anything. And that's okay. I didn't feel anything when I went through delivery. And I personally went through that. Like I said, I didn't feel a thing. But I crazy, crazy girl. <laughs> it's about the fruit of it. It's not about what takes place in it. You know, and it's not about that. Because that's the freedom and how the, the Holy Spirit being opened up. It's about you eating the fruit of the land that you've been given. I just felt, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but I just really felt like I needed to share. Um, I got prayer for deliverance right before this meeting, <laughs> this afternoon. And I was not really expecting a lot of crazy stuff to happen. Um, I just went in kind of open. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to show me? And we were in dialogue with my sister, right? Very comfortable um, conversation. And there were things, there were uh, three or four very specific things. One particularly came right to the front where I would get very, like, overly angry about, like, lighter situations. Like she was sharing before something would happen and I would find myself getting angry and then thinking in my head you're overreacting and I would be like well I'm a I'm a female like my emotions are extreme this is probably just part of it but logically I was thinking this is too much like this is over the top extreme but I just dealt with it I just thought it was part of you know my physiological <laughs> being and so we addressed that and um we went through every part, and when we started to address the spirits, I want to share this just because I know a lot of you know me. And, yeah, there might be times where you don't experience anything. For me, I almost threw up. Like, I was gagging, yelling, doubled over. That was very unexpected. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I'm like, what is going on? So anger is coming out, and I'm 
literally feeling like I'm going to throw up. And I don't even throw up when I have the flu or sick. I don't ever throw up. It's very uncommon for me. So for me to th feel that much that she grabbed that basket, dumped it out, l layered it with t uh, tissues. So if I threw up, I'd be throwing up in that. Like that's how serious it was. We moved on. I felt something leave and it was gone. As she said, the oil of joy, and immediately it was gone after we had prayed for a few minutes, and we both started laughing. And then we went on to the next thing, and then we addressed this tormenting spirit where thoughts in my mind were being, I was being tormented in my mind with similar thoughts. And again, you can so excuse these things away as just being part of like, well, this is just how I am. It's just I've been this way for so long, and you just think it's part of who you are. But it's a struggle. It's a fight. It's warfare like she was so clearly describing, and that's what it was. So I was being tormented. When we started to pray to get that out of me, that was like a strong man it felt. And we labored for a little bit, and it was just not coming. And then we realized that it was attached to something I had gotten in Haiti. And it was a very clear memory. As many of you know, I lived in Haiti for a couple of years. And lots of spiritual activity, lots of people who are actually demon-possessed where they're like manifesting and foaming at the mouth type possession, right? We don't see that as much here. Well, probably Lydia has more now <laughs> in her home. But, <laughs> but you don't just see that like commonly. In Haiti, it is more common because they're very like spiritual people. One of the days we were praying as a group before the day was starting, and I opened my eyes and I saw two demons in the door. One was massive, and it said pain, and one was short and stocky, and it said sickness, and I knew they were there to torment me. But at that time, I was like, well, you can't. Like, we're doing amazing things. God's doing amazing things on the island. So I just kind of ignored it, wrote it down, and was like, that will have no hold on me. We identified those things were actually still holding on to me because I had never, they're attached somewhere, somehow. Uh, oh, yeah. So tormenting, pain and sickness, and then this, it, they still weren't going, and then Lydia got a word of knowledge. I'm, I'm doubled over yelling, like that's shaking in the front of this room, and I'm just trying to be very vulnerable with you. Oh, yeah, I had extreme pain all here in my entire neck and in my back. The reason why I'm trying to be gra this graphic is because I want you to know that you're not too mature <laughs> for this to happen. <laughs> You're not too far along in your Christian walk where this can't happen. I'm convinced because it just happened to me. But there, there was extreme pain happening. And then Lydia got a word of knowledge about witchcraft and a voodoo curse that had been placed on me. And as soon as she broke that, everything lifted and it was done. And I felt completely different. And, you know, it just, number one, that is the wor power <laughs> of our God. Like she's saying this whole time, this is our freedom. This is our inheritance in God for these things to happen. But also we need to be ready, not uh, like I want to go, yeah, bring other people into this freedom. That's, yeah, I think that's why we're all here <laughs> is because we've experienced levels of freedom in Christ, his love, his power, all that he is. And we want to bring other people into it. But I really want to encourage everyone here, like, there are levels in us. I mean, maybe you have already, while sitting here, said, well, 
you know, I actually deal with these types of thoughts or I deal with my heart like going into panic attacks or I deal with these types of things, whatever they might be that you've just gotten so normalized in your life that you're just dealing with them. And what's really the spirit of God is saying for us today is you don't have to deal with them anymore. The cross, there's a finished work that was done and that's real freedom. Like then when we talk about freedom, it's actually an amazing thing, not this half thing. Like, oh, yeah, it's freedom, but really you're probably still going to struggle at times. <laughs> no, it's real freedom. Right, yeah. like my whole lifetime was thinking I'm I've just been destined by God to live in a desert for his glory <laughs> you know how how impoverished is that thinking that is not what he's called us to to live in a, in a dry place or <laughs> a wilderness constantly he's bought our freedom for us to live in abundance and to live in his freedom and his joy and his peace so I just, I wanted to say that I felt, I wasn't sure if I was going to share today, just one people from New Hampshire that came to be able to share, but I just felt compelled, like, to encourage you today, like, if you are saying, I want this, I want this freedom, then come and get it. Don't let anything hold you back, like, thinking, well, I don't want to be that person <laughs> that gets up there. You know, it might happen, it might not, but you've got to just not care. Like, how much do you want to be free? <laughs> It's like, let's just want to be free so we can live in the freedom and then give it to others as well and bring people into it. So just wanted to encourage you on that. I don't know, guys, again, just you have freedom here to leave if you need to leave. Again, we're just wanting to be respectful of the time. If there's more questions, we'll have more questions. Um, yeah, does anyone else have questions for Lydia? Healing for people, and they were being healed because things were moving there. So, we 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 had a <laughs> oh yeah, Rob, why don't you come on up? We had a man who um, we had a man who got delivered of a spirit of anger, and he had had a double hernia for years and years and years. A medical sonogram of it always bothering him. That spirit of anger left, and those were healed. Who would have thought? You know, I mean, God's just doing things like that. So we're not necessarily attacking sickness unless that seems to be a chronic thing in somebody and that's highlighted as a thing. Um, we're more going after what are the spiritual things that you notice because they're probably harassing you physically as well. We also had another woman that she, I mean, she came in <laughs> and God just set her free from a bunch of stuff. She had her yearly... Um, doctor's appointment like two weeks later and her doctor was like what happened to you and she's like well she's like her cholesterol was down her heart was great she had had a knee replacement three years before that she could never get under control like it was constantly swollen he was like how did you get the swelling down 
But to be honest, I went to my pastor and we cast things <laughs> off of me. <laughs> and um, I feel great. So, yeah. I don't like talking, when, but I guess I'm going to do it. Um, I've been, uh, I had uh, 19 years ago, I got um, diagnosed with multiple cancer. Um, I've had 14 cancers in 19 years. Um, this past August, uh, I was diagnosed with a stage two melanoma, and they started chemo treatment. And then um, that was healed after my deliverance. And then um, they diagnosed me with a, a lymphoma. And I went through two treatments and then started declaring casting things off of myself uh, and declaring every single day that God was going to heal me and uh, I felt it go and I wasn't scheduled to have a scan but I basically demanded a scan uh, from my doctor and he's like well you're scheduled for treatment um, so we're going to get a scan and then treatment and then go from there and I had as actually this weekend would have been my 52nd round of chemo. Uh, not round of chemo, dose of chemo, because I just took it on, on technically different chemos than I should have. But um, So I went into the scan, and I went in saying to the nurse, it's clear. Even before it, I was like, it's clear. She's like, there's no way it can be clear. And I was like, it's clear. And I just, I just believed fully because of things off of me that the spirit of infirmity was on me for that many years and some of that came in from me being a child and being abused and just stuff stuff just I agreed with over time um, so the Friday after I got my scan result well I didn't get my scan results they called me and said there's something wrong with your scan and I was like, what's wrong with it? And they're like, there's just something wrong. We need to retake it. And I was like, I'm coming down right now. Can you put me in? And then, so they put me in. I did the scan over. And the next Wednesday, they called and told me it was clear. And then they said, we want you to continue doing treatment. And I was like, I'm free of cancer. And now I'm having treatment on that. So, so, um, so I'm free of cancer. And, and, uh, and I believe it's forever. Like, I don't believe, like, okay, in two years I'm going to have cancer again because if I start believing that, then I'm agreeing with it. And if I agree with it, I'm opening one of those gates for it to come back in. So I'm not agreeing with it. It's never coming back ever again. Well, yes, we see here. Any other questions?
what you've been learning and, and hopefully equip you to be able to continue to get every city and then for you to also be able to walk other people into the freedom of who God is. Um, it is amazing. And I, and I, I want to also just let you know there's, there's a reality here that it's not always easy, right? These hit like Zedeg, it took a while. I had one girl that came for four weeks consecutively. Her husband told her she needed to come. I said, you're definitely possessed. <laughs> She's like, I don't even know if I believe in this, but my husband told me I need to come. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, it would be great. So she really struggled with like crazy violent anger. And she's like, but my whole family has. You know, this is how I am. I just don't know if this is like a deliverance thing or if it's just how I am. No, Jesus does not say that's who you are. That's our, that's our line. Jesus does not say that's who you are. So we're going after anger. We're going after control. She's not feeling a thing. We're breaking stuff off. We're telling stuff to leave. Nothing's happening, you know. But I'm so convinced of who we are and what God said that I'm not going to let it drop. You know, if it doesn't happen the first time, okay, come again in a week. And let's see if there's what out what it could it be. And she came, she came three times, and I would call her the day or two days later. All right, any change? No, I bit my husband's head off today. No, I reamed. Okay, all right, not changing. Right. So finally, the fourth week, we're trying to figure out what is this? Like it's anger, it's violence, it's like murderous. Like what is it? Like we're calling her Holy Spirit. What is this? Because we're finding out that names matter. That things actually have names and they matter. And so. What is this? And he said, ask if Jezebel's there. Jezebel? Jezebel, you in there? And she's like, whoa, I felt something in my chest. Bingo. We got it. She hadn't felt anything for weeks. What is this? Jezebel, you're leaving. Okay, so we begin to break everything off with this Jezebel spirit. You're leaving. You get up and you get out. We cast it out. She felt something go up to her head and out. Okay, this is great. We'll, we'll really know tomorrow and the next day, <laughs> you know, how your commutes to work go and everything um, and how you are with your husband. So we wait 48 hours and I give her a call. She's like, I think it's God. <laughs> I'm like, oh, awesome. I call her again the next day. Lydia, I think it's God. Like, I don't, I, like, I've gotten frustrated, but I'm not. That. And so I don't want to give you the illusion like that you're going to know everything right off the top. But if you know who you are and you know what you've been given, then you can go after it and go after it and go after it. You know, you might not know. Joshua had pitfalls. There was times he did things without asking the Lord. There was times he went in his own understanding. They did things that they didn't know, right? Don't give up. Become convinced in who you are, become convinced in what you've been given, and you will see every promise of the Lord be fulfilled in your life. That is the foundation, okay? You hear me on that? You hear me on that?
settle for less. That's, that's all it comes down to. Don't settle for less. Good is way too good. So go through it and listen. good so father we just exalt you tonight we worship you you're high above every other name you're seated on the throne in heaven ruling and reigning forever and we just thank you god that we belong to you that we are yours and that you have purchased our freedom and that is full freedom god we we worship you just thank him let's just thank the lord he's done great things you're awesome god we worship you, Jesus, your healer, your savior, your redeemer, your deliverer, and you've delivered us, God. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done and everything you will do, and we worship you tonight. You are awesome, God. Be glorified. Be glorified. Be exalted. Be honored. Be magnified. Be worshipped from our hearts, God. We worship you tonight. You're awesome, God. You're wonderful. Your ways are great, God. You're worthy of praise and glory and honor forever and ever and ever. 
your kingdom will go on forever and ever and ever. It has no end. We thank you, God, that you are king over all kings and Lord over all lords. And we exalt you as king over our lives, over our hearts, over our minds. You are high above it all. And we worship you and we exalt you in that high place. Yes, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.